We're in a part of the cycle where people are getting short because their CTAs told them, remember, sell copper, sell silver, sell stocks, sell everything. I need to save money. That's what's going on right now. Okay, good morning, Arcadia folks. Uh, this is the Arcadia Economic Silver Fix, and I'm Vince Lancey. Took off last week. Thank you for your patience and your uh, your kind words. Okay, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, number three there, we're going to touch on the Wizard of Oz a little bit. Nothing in depth. I'm sure people know as much about it, if not more, than me and how it relates to silver. Uh, I want to touch on today... A little Fed economy comment, because that's what's driving silver now. Uh, physical demand or uh, not uh, not rate hikes per se, uh, not uh, Fed policy, but the but the uh, the byproduct of Fed policy. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit of handholding. Silver's lower. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on and uh, what we're going to start looking for for the next trade higher. and. You know, I'm not going to, I don't have to blow smoke, you know, up your rear end here. Uh, the, the the bottom line is if silver makes a low in this area between now and no, now and November, then it's making a significantly higher low than last year when they sold it down and they're selling it down right now. So we'll get into that right now. First, the Fed economy, the Fed and the economy. So the, the prevailing, there are two prevailing economic things going on right now. The one that we're worried about is the one that people are acting on. And that is the the Fed has raised rates enough. They should stop. And there's a delayed lag, lag time, we'll call it, for this effect to hit the market. And the market, the bond rates are up. Eventually, that's going to hit stocks. It's about bonds and stocks. And it translates heavily into silver, if you remember last year. So, Bond rates are 5%, 6%, 7%. At some point, the stock market looks at that and says, well, that's stupid. I'm going to put my money in bonds because I feel like the, the, the opportunity cost is there. And so you'll get the bond market. Uh, it may firm up, but that's not the point. The bond market rates stay high in general, and the stock market starts to come off. Now, that's probably going to happen. That's the bear thesis. And that's a guy named Michael Hartnett, uh, Bank of America's uh, head strategist. Uh, commentary. And he's pretty good. He's usually very early, but he's usually very right. Now, in anticipation, just like last year, CTAs, small funds, small macro funds will start to sell economically um, sensitive assets. So they'll sell stocks, they'll sell copper, and they'll sell silver, and then they'll sell gold. Gold's a different story this year. Um, because there's so much central bank buying that gold can actually drop a lot more than usual. Now, just to go back to last year, it was in April of last year that the Fed started raising. And when they started raising, and Goldfix people know this, when they started raising in April, I said, you don't want to buy this dip. There are too many longs in the market and they're getting out. And this is, remember, the, 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 uh, the war started, February, the war started. Market kind of didn't know what to do. Gold led higher, and then silver caught fire, and then it kind of gyrated around up here, volatile ranges, and then the Fed said they were going to raise, and silver dropped, and it was like, oh, let's buy the dip, let's buy the dip, and I, I advise people to not do that. You do what you want to do, but I said, don't do that, 
Uh, there are a lot of longs that want to get in. I mean, that, that need to get out. And they did. Now, between April and September, uh, the market was pretty much a shit show. Now, in September, in this time frame right here, I noticed there was physical demand. Remember, we we're talking about EFPs. Oh, the EFPs inverted. Uh, they want physical. That's bullish on silver. And I said, yeah, it should. It will be, but not yet. And then we actually had a little bit of rally and then it reversed again. This is a weekly chart and came off again. And then the EFP buying came back. People were buying a lot of silver. This is your silver squeeze stuff. This is your um, retail demand for coins. The U.S. not making enough coins, like uh, Michael uh, of the DGEN says. Uh, he's right. And uh, the Chinese demand for solar at the same time. So while the funds were selling it and liquidating and saying, I need to sell my silver so I can buy my GI Joe for Christmas or whatever it is they're buying these days, uh, the Chinese were just buying it. And the, uh, and the, uh, the coin guys were just buying it. The refiners were just buying it. Right. And so it's eventually they ran out of gas selling it. And in September, I said between September 12th and 22nd, a couple of times I said, be careful. Uh, if you're short, this market is ready to go. And when the market goes during buy season, it went from, you know, almost $17. What's the low here? This is spot. Low $17.55, right? So let's call it $18, right? So from $18 during buy season, it ran up to 24 and change, 24.63. This move is not buy season. This move is just a market that's being bought, which is a good sign. So you have the disinvestment cycle and you have the reinvestment cycle. That's what happened last year. We're getting it again this year. Now it's not starting in April. Well, maybe you did start in April. I don't know. Started in, starts in May. I don't look at that as it's starting in May. I look at it. I, I typically, I look at it to start, start in, in August, in August. So we already had a big sell-off and a lot of these guys puked, right? But then you, in, in August, you get another sell-off. So in August, the market was here at $21 tops and then went down to $17.50, $17.50, $18, $17.65 or something like that, right? Okay, so from here to here, during the worst time of year for silver, believe me, between August and Thanksgiving is historically the worst time of year for silver flows. You had the market, go, and it's, by the way, this sucked. This is the Fed raising. This is not seasonality, right? And uh, then you had the market do this. And then buy season comes in. So from here to here, watch, from $21 to $18. Here we are starting at, call it $23, $23.50, all right? So the market is heading into its worst time of year at $23, $23.50 compared to $21, uh, a year ago. That's a really good sign. Now, I'm not trying to make you go, oh, let's go out and buy it. I'm saying that this is a market that's in a secular change. If you just be patient, if you're a stacker, you're like, yeah, I know he's right. You don't care, right? But as a trader, I'm saying that we are now making lower highs and lower lows because it's the time of year when that happens. On top of that, they're selling it again, okay? So you're going to have a downdraft. Which brings me, so now we're in we're in a part of the cycle where people get out and we're in a part of the cycle where, uh, because of the end of the year, and we're in a part of the cycle where people are getting short because their CTAs told them, remember, sell copper, sell silver, sell stocks, sell everything, I need to save money. That's what's going on right now. So if you're a long-term person, you don't care about price. 
But me telling you is supposed to make you say, I understand it. I know why it's happening. I know where it's happening. I don't care. Move on. Now, if you're a short-term trader, you pay attention. And I'll tell you why. Because now what you have is silver. Commitment of traders, right? So now you start thinking tactically. And you see that if you look on the left here, the longs funds got out 53.7, uh, 53 points, 53 spots, 700 contracts, and they dropped 14 spots, seven. Okay. So that's a big amount of longs getting out. That's pukage. It could be capitulation. It could be near a bottom. It probably is near a bottom, but what will make it go up is what matters next. So when people are out there telling you, this is it, this is it. They're always telling you, this is it. Ask them when it's it. Ask them when. What I like to see is I like to see this number, 40,000 going up by 2,800. That's the shorts getting in. That's the CTAs. That's the wildebeest. That's the guys who do it all the time and they're right and then they're wrong. So we're looking at a seasonality play overlapping with recessionary fears. All right. So this will continue. You should be patient and not care if you're a biased bull. If you're a bias bull and doesn't care, you don't care. But if you're a bias bull looking to buy, you should be patient and you should look for this market to continue to have natural, organic selling, liquidation of longs all the way down, all the way through um, October, November, right? And and if the market goes up during that time frame, all the better, because I know people are liquidating. It's sell season, so to speak, all right? But- like last time, starting in April, when the Fed raised rates, the market took on more water. Now, we're not taking on more water this time, which is encouraging, meaning we're at $23 to $22.50, not $21 to, you know, to $17.50. We're not doing that. So what I would say is you want to start looking at the market as the long speculators are done. They're licking their wounds. Right. Some of them took profits, some of them licking wounds. And now the short speculators are getting in. The short speculators are extremely undercapitalized and they will be susceptible to short squeezes. This is where the short squeeze stuff actually starts. And if you want to see a short term short squeeze, we want to look like last year to the EFP. So between now and October, right, a couple months here, right? You want to look at this and say, oh, what's the EFP doing? And if you can't see that, just ping me on Twitter or or someone like Bob uh, who looks at it and uh, or, 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 or Chris who pays attention to this. You want to look at the EFP, but that'll give you a more of a sign. The other thing is you want to see, this is very tactical. I understand it might bore you. Uh, but as the market drops, if the open interest is getting smaller as the market's dropping, that's the longs puking. But as the market drops, if the open interest starts to go up, that's the bears getting in after it's dropped $3. We want to see that. We want to see people getting in because it's going down. It's the opposite of FOMO, right? Or it is FOMO. It's FOMO on the downside. We want to see this. We live. I live for this. Now, it doesn't mean I'm buying it tomorrow. It does mean that I'm looking to buy. I may be looking to buy for two months, but it just means that the market is in the process of getting a really lopsided. You're looking at a seesaw, you're a parent, you're in the park, and you see one kid, one kid on the on the seesaw, whatever you call it, teeter-totter. And you see two kids and you say, uh, okay, and it starts to move a little bit, but they don't know. They're just like, oh, we're bouncing around, right? It's like, uh, 
three kids, you're like, okay, you know what? This thing is going to just flip over soon, right? And then the fourth kid comes on and boom, the trade's crowded and they all get out and they all get hurt. And that's what's going to happen. So we're just going to keep it simple that way. The other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, before we touch on the Wizard of Oz, the other thing I wanted to mention is I'm going to start doing minors more. I think it's time to start doing minors more. And I can help people, I think, throw a little bit of understanding uh, on on how I would pick minors or how I have picked minors and uh, what to look for. They'll be discussed as well, fairly and evenly and objectively, because we're investing here. Okay. For those of you who don't know, uh, uh, most of you do know. So if I'm a little bit, you know, dumbed down, that's because, you know, there are some people out there that don't know. But uh, The Wizard of Oz, uh, people are not sure, but I'm pretty sure that The Wizard of Oz is an allegory for the gold standard. Now, Oz, ounce, ounce of gold. Dorothy's, I'll just throw a couple things at you. Dorothy's ruby slippers were initially silver slippers why did they change them to, to ruby well they got color halfway through the movie and they wanted to have something bright there probably or maybe they didn't like silver but they were silver slippers uh there are a couple hypotheses out there uh the one that makes the most sense uh and is the quentin taylor one the yellow brick road she's being told to get home the pathway home is to go on the gold standard only the gold standard, silver on the gold standard, silver tied to gold towards the Emerald City. What is the Emerald City? Gold leads to what they, what the silver people were saying is, you know, tying it to gold is deflationary, right? At the time, uh, you know, the, the market was upside down uh, compared to how it is now. So uh, gold was deflationary compared to silver, you know? Uh, and so what you're doing is you're working from silver to the dollar they viewed it as. So silver goes to gold, gold goes to dollars, okay? Silver shoes on the yellow brick road, bricks, and the yellow brick road leads to the Emerald City. The Emerald City is where the greenbacks are. The wizard is, you know, he's the Fed chief, however you want to look at it, but um, he's a politician in general. And he's a politician telling you that everything's going to be fine, but he's a weak and powerless wizard. In the end, what does he give them all? Now, maybe it's a it's a nice feel-good story, depending on how you look at it, but he gives the the, the, the Tim Man and, the, and the, those three guys, he gives them bullshit, right? He gives them sales pitches. He gives them rhetoric. He gives them what politicians do. The wizard is a huckster. Uh, the evil witch, I don't know who the evil witch is, but the, that's part of it. The three, uh, the three friends, they were, I'm not sure exactly who they were, but of the three friends, like the cowardly lion was supposed to be, it might've been, I could be wrong about this, William Jennings Bryant, because he, he spoke very loudly, but when it came, when it push came to shove, he didn't do what had to be done. I, I could be getting that wrong. And then you had uh, uh, the Tin Man, you know, the, the, these were, these were important politicians at the time who didn't do anything or, or, or people who were there to help um, uh, Dorothy, uh, but she ended up helping them. So that's how the allegory goes. Dorothy is naive, young, and simple, represents the American people. She is every man led astray and seeking the way back home. Moreover, following the road of gold leads eventually only to the Emerald City. Correct, right? Uh, which Taylor, Quentin Taylor, sees as symbolic of a fraudulent world 
build on greenback paper money, a fiat currency that cannot be redeemed in exchange for precious metals. That's right. It is ruled by a scheming politician, the wizard, who uses publicity devices and tricks to fool people and even the good witches into believing he is benevolent, wise, and powerful, when really he is a selfish, evil humbug. He sends Dorothy into severe danger, hoping she will rid him of his enemy, the Wicked Witch of the West. He is powerless. I think that might have to do with someone in California. I'm not sure. Uh, he is powerless, and as he admits to Dorothy, I'm a very bad wizard. That's it. Um, there's a lot more to it than that. There's a lot of nuance that you people probably know better than me, but I just wanted to share that with you, that the Wizard of Oz, if you didn't know it already, she had silver shoes. And the silver shoes, the Goldbrick Road, the Emerald City, the fraudulent politician, and the three friends that were well-meaning, uh, but uh, really unable. And so I've got silver. I've got my silver shirt on. And uh, have a great day. I'm Vince. Keep the faith. Well, thank you, as always, Vince, for today's report. Great to get his insight as he digs into some of the seasonality factors in the silver price. Obviously, this is just around the time last year where we did see that price drop below $18 and fortunately has rebounded quite a bit since then. Obviously, a bit off the highs, but one of the things that Vince touched on a little bit is that at least we do have that improved COT report, which now shows the banks as well getting long silver. One of the indicators that has generally been a good predictor of where things go in the short term. So we will keep an eye on that. And also, before we wrap up, would like to thank First Majestic Silver, who kindly brought us today's video. We did have earnings out from First Majestic back on August 3rd. Obviously, the main driver for First Majestic Silver this year has been the shutdown of Jared Canyon, which left cash costs at $15.58 per silver equivalent ounce in the second quarter. They were also dealing with a higher Mexican peso, which impacted earnings and has led them to implement a series of cost-saving initiatives that they expect to take hold in the third quarter and leave second half cash costs at a range of 1223 to 1289 and also they had an all in sustaining cost in the second quarter of 2152 although they are expecting that to settle down to a range of 1769 to 1892 now that production at Jared Canyon is being phased out where they did have that higher all in sustaining cost of course you can find out more about first majestic at firstmajestic.com and again thanks to first majestic for helping us to bring you the show every day Hope you're having a great afternoon out there, and I will see you again tomorrow.